and welcome to Brett Easton Hell Yes, the podcast devoted to the works and adapted works of Brett Easton Ellis. I'm your host, Katie Wright, and joining me this week to discuss the 2000, I want to say 18, I never remember to pull up years when I do this, Broadway musical or London musical soundtrack. Uh, it's Steve Fiorillo. Hello, Steve. It's from 2016. 2016, really? All oh, the time. How the time flies. I know. This, like, uh, I used to... Hello, Steve. Hi, Katie. How are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, you host the In The Mix podcast with a friend of the show, David Grom. Uh, yeah, we're gearing up to start another season, so and we've got a whole archive up on on iTunes, Libsyn, the, the whole podcast thing. Uh, yeah, so we we got we got stuff planned, we got guests planned, we got ideas planned. Every every vague thing that has yet to be detailed is in the works. So we've got yeah. uh, an arc, we've got an archive up on on iTunes, Libsyn, wherever you get podcasts. They are they're fun episodes. I say right, I say listen to them. Yeah, and you're so the the premise of your podcast is that you pick a theme and you and Dave and your guest each pick a set number of songs that fit that theme. Is that correct? Yeah, we yeah we create a 10-song playlist and then just kind of use that to talk about music and our uh, lives, our opinions, and just whatever uh, stupid shit we think of. And despite like that description, that. it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a great podcast. I have been on it twice. Highly I recommend them episodes. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, me as well. I also recommend them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and all of the episodes. It's a great show. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, so, Steve, uh, yes. prior to me asking you to listen to the soundtrack to the original London cast of American Psycho the Musical, what was your relationship to Ready Easton Ellis? Uh, it was non-existent. I am... <laughs> Not, like, much of a... I don't really keep up with books. I've never really had, like, favorite authors. And so a lot of stuff I know about him is entirely through uh, you and talking to you. <laughs> yeah. And so from what I can tell, he's he's an author who generates a lot of controversy. He's kind of like Book Morrissey is how I can <laughs> Oh, my God, he's totally Book Morrissey, yeah. He's, he's Book Morrissey. So, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. That's, I mostly knew him as the guy who wrote the book that the American Psycho movie that I hadn't seen all of before today <laughs> was based on. I, I knew it because I knew American Psycho from just all the scenes that everyone knows about it. So I never really had like a clear picture of it. So today was my first time actually watching the entirety of American Psycho, the movie. All right. So what did you think uh, before we get into the musical? What did you think of the movie? Uh, I liked the movie. I don't. I don't think it was like perfect per se, but like I think... I think it was it did a good job of what it was trying to do. I think, you know, I, I guess the complaints about like the book and the movie are that it's like incredibly not subtle about anything, <laughs> uh-huh. and I don't I don't really think there's a way you can be subtle about what it's trying to make fun of. So I think yeah. a lot of it did do a good job of you know just portraying just the absolute soullessness of like finance bros, and yeah. or, not not bros. I'll do you should use a different word, but. Yeah, I mean, it's. I thought it was good. I thought Christian Bale was insanely good in it. There's like nothing behind his eyes, and <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad that it being like so 
memed didn't make it feel unwatchable because sometimes it can be hard to watch stuff that you've just seen certain clips from over and over i hated the godfather because i just felt like i was watching less good simpsons oh wow (laughs) i I mean it's very i think i found it very easy to watch considering that once it turns out that like every every meme about the movie is wrong (laughs) in what way uh it seems like the American Psycho got like kind of piled in with a few other movies, where like the consensus is the problem is its fan base doesn't get it, and like oh, thinks yeah. that thinks that it's like actually like all the to, like the toxic stuff is cool, and then you watch it, and it's like well that's clearly not what's what's happening. Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so uh, let's dive in. Uh, first track on this on this experience of an album oh i do have a question before this actually yeah yeah yeah. did you did you know this existed before you started this podcast because this this was news to me i did know this existed um because i follow brad easton ellis on twitter so this was i think this started as like a kickstarter project so i was um i was informed about it like way back in i don't know 2012 or whatever uh, and then I was and it opened in London and I wanted to see it so badly, but I could not. Uh, and then it came to Broadway and I was aware of it because I was working for the Actors' Equity Union at the time. So I was uh, I almost had to work on the American Psycho audition, but I ended up not working on it. But I was very aware of what musicals were in the works at that time. Uh, and then I had plenty of opportunity to see it and I just didn't bother. My interest had dropped off, and you know what? I'm glad. You you didn't realize a few years later you'd be like, no, my interest is is back and like, bigger than ever. <laughs> yeah, like my interest in Freddie Zanellis never dropped off, but somehow I think I just sensed that this musical was gonna let me down. Uh, and you know, I haven't sat down and watched the whole musical. We are really just reviewing the soundtrack, so I guess I can't say definitively that the musical is a letdown. Did, we found but, some clips on YouTube, though. Yes, we did. They uh, were better. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like the this is not a musically strong <laughs> album, and the more you can bring like dance into it, the more palatable it is. Was at least how I felt. Yeah, like what, like that. What will what will become clear when we play a little bit of these songs is that like when you listen to it on like the YouTube of the actual performance, there are some instruments going on, mm. which at least makes it sound like real music to me. Like obviously <laughs> there's a lot of like driving techno beats and stuff, but there's like a recognizable guitar and bass going on with it. Yeah. And that's just not happening on the, on the <laughs> cast recording. Yeah. I guess before we start talking about specific tracks, um, I wanted to have you do this, do this episode because you're like my music friend. Um, I mean, I have lots of friends who like music, but I feel like you're the biggest music. I'm the nerd. worst about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think of the music overall? Uh, the music, for the most part, really annoyed me. Yeah. Like, listening to it, I found it very annoying. It's very clearly trying to be like '80s synth poppy to kind of go with with the fact that it's in the 80s but it's also trying to be kind of ominous and all in a minor key because it's american psycho and it wants you to make sure they know it's american psycho (laughs) and so it honestly a lot of the back the backing tracks just sound like kind of softcore porn music and i couldn't (laughs) stop thinking that 
I had I didn't think that, but now that you say it, you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah, it's softcore porn or like the fake techno music in like a movie scene at the club. Yeah. It, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. It's got a very kind of like uh like paying for background music on a website feel. <laughs> like yes. you can just buy kind of like filler music for your commercial or whatever. It's got that. It's okay. very it's very much that. Yeah. Okay, so the first track, uh, opening, parentheses, Morning Routine by Matt Smith, Doctor Who himself, who plays Patrick Bateman. Weird casting, IMO. I uh, agree. <laughs> um, and I didn't see any clips of him. I saw clips of the Broadway cast. Did you see any clips of Matt Smith? No, I, I saw clips of the Broadway guy who at least looked the part. I don't know how yeah. they got to Matt Smith, who's... Literally, his entire identity was that, like, Tumblr teens liked him because he was so waifish. <laughs> yeah. He might have... I feel like it might be a situation where he was just the most famous person who was interested and they couldn't be picky. Maybe that's just what beefy dudes look like in, in London. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's a little a little bit of opening parentheses morning routine. It took me 19 years, but I finally developed a good relationship with my body. <sighs> Computers are management tools, giving you a competitive edge. 24-hour, person-to-person service with every checking account. Where's the nearest ATM? I don't clean anymore. Okay, so we've got this. We open with these clips of weirdly stilted, like, somewhere from the 50s through the 80s, like, TV voices. Yeah, very, like, commercials. Yeah. Um, which I feel like in these opening moments, I'm like, hey, this might be, this might be fun. Like those, the girl who's very weirdly like, I finally have a positive relationship with my body. That's like so strange (laughs) that I, at least for these first 17 seconds was like, hey, maybe we're going somewhere. I did think like, okay, this is weird. Let's see where this goes because... I think all you can ask of American Psycho, the musical, is to be weird because it can't be a normal musical. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So then Matt Smith hops in. I apply Clinique moisturizer and an anti-aging eye balm before I shave with a razor and cream I pour on. No cologne on the face ever. Okay, so this is obviously uh, one of the iconic scenes from the movie. Where in the film we see a Christian Bale in various states of undress, uh, and his voiceover in his voiceover he's talking about his morning routine. Uh, and what did you think? What did you think of this opening track? Um, it's not I, a song. It's not. <laughs> it's just a it's, monologue. Yeah, it's it's basically Twenty One Pilots. Like just this <laughs> generic. It's like very generic, and then just a guy talking who's supposed to be sounding different than he is like this immediately you hear it and immediately you're like this guy's not the right fit (laughs) yeah and he's so like you can already tell at least i think you can already tell that his acting is really boring and that he's not as good as christian bale yeah this is a thing where i think people complained about this when um benedict cumberbatch was the grinch too where it's like you're supposed to be sounding like something but like this British guy trying to do an American accent just sounds like so bored and sarcastic and yeah. he can't he can't really navigate the American accent without sounding like that. Right. But also like it seems like 
Patrick Bateman probably he probably is choosing to make Patrick Bateman sound bored and sarcastic like that kind of seems like how he comes across in the movie as well probably it's it's just like he's just not selling it (laughs) it's just not good yeah I did a disservice to this probably by listening to it immediately after watching the movie (laughs) and like see seeing Christian Bale's like very singular performance like he he talked about how like his influence was like Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss and that makes sense just like this very (laughs) bizarre thing and then Matt Smith's just like I wake up I and put on my moisture i don't know what he says but like that tone of (laughs) that tone of voice just immediately hit me wrong yeah i think part of the problem is that like patrick bateman is a weird balance between like a cool guy and like an enormous loser and a creep like all all bound up together and i feel like if you cast somebody like Matt Smith, they're having to do too much work to just sell you on the like cool guy exterior because that's not how they come across. Whereas somebody like Christian Bale just looks like he would be cool. So he can focus more on the more interesting aspects of Patrick Bateman without being like, is this what a cool guy would do? That That's very true. Christian Bale, you just assume it's like, okay, that guy does fit in with like all the other finance yeah. guys in their suits. So he does he does get to focus on just being a guy who's like role-playing as a human and it's very it's it's hard to pull off and and matt smith is maybe he does it on stage he's not doing it on on the recording yeah and often i do feel like like broadway musicals and i mean i keep saying this is broadway and it did eventually go to broadway but this is the london soundtrack but uh i i do often feel like the acting and even kind of the vocal performance on the musical soundtrack is often not quite as good as the stage performance for whatever reason like i don't know maybe stage actors are just a little bit more uncomfortable acting in the like audio recording booth um so it's possible that it could be a little better on stage it it could be i was not sold through the cast recording it's very kind of going through the motions and the music just does not sound like stuff i want to hear for two hours (laughs) yeah oh i meant to ask you um what's your relationship to musicals in general um i'm not a huge broadway guy i've gone through occasional phases um a regrettable hamilton one i (laughs) <laughs> uh, went through a Dear Evan Hansen phase. I like Waitress. I have no regrets about Hamilton, but <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, cool. Waitress, nice. Yeah, I, I love in like TV when things, episodes where they, <laughs> things become musicals. So like mm-hmm. I, that seems to be a real sticking point with people that hate that. I love it. Bring it on. But uh, Broadway and uh, I guess original London, this is the second time I've I've heard music from a British musical. So oh yeah, I know a ton of. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm I'm a big um, a big musical nerd, and not not like compared to other musical nerds because that gets like that gets deep. That's like saying like, oh, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but like that fandom is so is so aggressive that you got to really be careful if you say that. But I have a pretty yeah. healthy love of musicals. You're a theater kid. You're not a theater kid. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else that we want to say about the about the opening? Uh, Mostly, no, it's, it's just a just a hollow just setting up, hollow recreation of the film. <laughs> yes, with some weird like trying to be like the '84 Apple commercial music behind it. <laughs> Is that the one with the girl where she runs up and she throws the thing at the screen? Is that the '84? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah then, as we I all know, that. Apple smashed the state. <laughs> yeah, Great absolutely. ad. Hell yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so our next our next song is Cards. Ugh. <laughs> Holy shit. Magnificent, impressive, so thick and yet so light. The lettering, Romalian, the stock, it's eggshell white. Okay. So this is uh, another iconic moment in the film. Was this one of the scenes that you were aware of before you watched it? Yes, and I, I found it a lot better in the context of the movie. Yeah, it's so it's an incredible scene in the movie. Um, I'm not even going to bother trying to explain why it's incredible. I'm sure anybody listening has seen it and knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this song is not... And I can't quite put my finger on where exactly they fail, where the movie so gloriously I, succeeded. So here's here's what I thought of immediately when this song started playing was mm-hmm. Streetcar the Musical. Yes! This, yeah. The Simpsons thing. Every yeah. little piece of like line of dialogue or character you remember is suddenly like a minute long song. And it's like such a good parody of doing that. And that, that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I um I made Lenny listen to some of this when we were driving in the car and he was my hostage. Um and he was like <laughs> he was do like that to people. <laughs> I honestly it was early in the process. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> um but he he said the pretty much the same thing. He was like I can't remember if he was the one who brought up streetcar or if it was me, but he was the one who was like this feels like if you like on a sitcom wanted to do a humorous like Somebody tries to make American Psycho a musical, and it's terrible. Yes. It, it would be exactly it's, this. It's it's also like a, a year or two before uh, Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame came out, the critic did a parody of them seeing an Andrew Lloyd Webber Hunchback musical where the songs are called, like, I've Got a Hunch This Could Be Love. It's <laughs> really? like, yeah, it's, it's a good bit. But, like, yeah, you, you're like, they can't possibly be just doing the thing of, like, it's the card scene but a song. <laughs> oh, but they are. Uh, and then, okay, I want to skip forward to the hook. Yours, time's new. Oh, I skipped to the second chorus. Hold on. We got to get that great hook. But you can hear that softcore porn hook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, wow. so <laughs> so the lyrics to that chorus are, oh, baby, baby, you're such a card. You make it look oh so easy when I know it's fucking hard. Oh, baby, baby, this can't be right. How I love your surfaces. How I love your type. Steve, any thoughts? Uh, bad. Don't, don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I think what I, what I was also thinking about a lot 
when I was listening to this was that I know uh, Duncan Sheik did the music to this. Mm-hmm. Of course, for people who don't know, the guy who did Barely Breathing in the nineties, and then and so yeah, so you know he's good at writing like a pretty a pretty good hook, and yeah. then uh, he more maybe more famously did Spring Awakening. Mm-hmm. And Spring Awakening was very famous as like the oh this is the edgy musical like we got yeah. the like it's it's edgy for Broadway standards of like <laughs> you know this isn't this isn't your grandma's Rodgers and Hammerstein we got the fucking barely breathing guy this song has <laughs> bitch in it <laughs> and like this feels like such a such a retreat of that like he's trying very hard to recapture that and you would think American Psycho would be like the perfect outlet for that and it just fell on its face. Yeah. Um and I haven't I haven't listened to all of the um I haven't listened to all of the soundtrack of Spring Awakening. Um but it is both much edgier. What I've heard is much edgier than any of the songs in this musical and also much catchier. Like it's got everything going for it much more. And the lyrics are like legitimately good. Yeah, he really struck gold and like it like it's it's edgy for Broadway standards. There's a song called "Bitch of Living." There's a song about how like you're completely fucked, and it's he yeah. might have had and it's a, also about like being depressed about jerking off all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like it's great. And, like, how do you how do you not transfer that to American Psycho the musical? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I was wondering the same thing because this is so much worse than Spring Awakening, and I haven't. Th- Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, doesn't this specific song feel like it's supposed to be the song? Like, this is the yeah. bitch of living of this. This was supposed <laughs> to be on the Tonys. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably right. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be the, like, oh, getting pumped up song, but it doesn't, doesn't have it. Nope. Um, my theory about why this sucks so much more <laughs> um <laughs> is i know you haven't read american psycho the book no but it's very like stylistically boring like boring with a purpose and like monotonous as an artistic choice and i wonder if this was like an ill informed or like an ill conceived attempt to recapture that same kind of of feeling uh but just the a combination of the for, the format not lending itself to that and the the person writing not having the same skill set as Brady Sonalis just made it boring in a way that does not seem artistic. I I could definitely see that the the problem if that is the case becomes that this is kind of like a through line of the show mm-hmm. a lot of very generic sounding like just kind of techno like beats going on with like minimal hooks. Yeah, and I mean, the, I mean, Frank, and like, there's also a a show about a guy who really loves like super catchy pop music, like Huey Lewis and Phil Collins. Like, I, I don't know, I, I, I could see it being that for this, but I think that's also like a bad decision. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's no way to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and one other thing I want to point out uh, about these lyrics is that like the thing. The thing in the in the um, business card scene in the movie and in the book is that they're they're naming these like really fancy and obscure fonts and colors. And in these lyrics, they name drop a couple of fancy fonts like Constantia and uh, Kufla Imperial. But then they also resort to Comic Sans and Times New Roman. 
Well, if this was being written in 2012, that's the tail end of when one of the funniest things you could do was uh, scream about how you want to kill the guy who made Comic Sans. Like, at the very tail end of that. <laughs> that's that's good insight. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. No, it's, it, it, it does stick out of, like, oh, you put that in there for a joke, and not only did it not land, but now the song doesn't make as much sense. <laughs> Yeah, that honestly, that makes a lot more sense if that was trying to be funny. Ooh, trying and failing. I mean, well, we'll get that a lot on, on the next song, too, a lot of oh, trying and failing. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so this one, it's time to check in with the ladies. Oh, you know what? Actually. Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry. For, forgive me. You were right all along. We're checking in with the ladies. I will forgive you because <laughs> it's time for the ladies. Hell yeah. All right. So this is You Are What You Wear. This is a big birthday for Patrick Courtney, so thank you for helping me co-host. Anything for you, Evelyn. You look to die for. Thank you, Courtney. I want black and charred. Mahi, mahi. Okay, so this is the food and clothes song. Cool. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts on this song? Um, I did find it weird that I know a lot of uh, American Psycho, the book, is Patrick Bateman naming a lot of like things he likes. And so it's weird to give that to the women in the song. Yeah, it is weird. It's and it's weird. It's weird to be like, hey, you know what? Let's get the women's perspective and then just have them being like Betsy Johnson. Uh, yeah, good point. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the lyrics because I was looking for one that, oh, that yeah. drove me crazy mm-hmm. because not only is it not funny, but it doesn't rhyme great and it like fucks the meter up. Ooh, okay. It's, it's when they all say all spoken according to genius. But let's be clear, there's nothing ironic about our love of Manolo Blahnik. Yes, I highlighted that as a notably bad lyric. They repeat it so many times! Hold on, I'm going to see if I can find it. Okay. I will try on these mod for I think I'll go to Ferragamo. I don't know if I'm such a fan of your purple suede Charles Jordan. But let's be clear, there's nothing ironic about our love of Manolo Blahnik. No, there's nothing remotely ironic. Yeah, keep coming. About our love of <laughs> Manolo Blahnik. This part that follows, where they're kind of know. like musically gasping, I kind of like that. Oh, here's the here's the hook. Uh, that, that lyric really bothers me. Should I rock the Betsy Johnson or stick with classic Comme de Garçon? Because I feel like when Duncan Shake was writing the lyrics, he was hearing, should I rock the Betsy Johnson or stick with classic gar- Comme de Garçon? <laughs> like as sort of a rhyme. And then it's they actually- kind act- of a rhyme. Yeah. And then they pronounce, if you pronounce Comme de Garçon correctly, it doesn't rhyme with Betsy Johnson at all. 
but it's clearly structurally set up in a way where it should be rhyming. Yeah. And it's, it's terrible. It, it's, it's, I will say the hook of the chorus is a little catchy and you can kind of feel Duncan Cheek doing barely breathing again. Where it's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. To me, this one feels like a lesser track off the legally blonde musical soundtrack. I, I will take your word for it. That's a, that's a good burn. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good burn. <laughs> um, yeah, this song sucks. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty empty, but like not in a way where it's pointing out. Well, it, it is trying to point out the emptiness, but I don't really think it does a good job. And it's like when yeah. it's not the okay hook of the chorus, it's pretty annoying to listen to. It's like almost trying to do like a right said Fred thing. <laughs> yeah. And the... Um... The way that the the women's acting is really annoying, especially I think it's Evelyn, uh, the one who does kind of a like Thurston Howell voice, like I will, like a cartoon of a wealthy person. Yeah, and they they really return to the the that this the this well with that character a couple times where there's like throughout a few songs she mostly exists to say that she hopes she isn't underdressed, like they don't <laughs> give her anything. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sucks pretty bad. And yet, I think this is one of the more enjoyable songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, the the chorus, I heard it again, and I was like, that's, I, like, that on, that in a better song would be a pretty solid melody. <laughs> yeah, and I watched the, um, did you watch the rehearsal video of this song? Uh, I did not. So there's a video on YouTube of the American cast uh, rehearsing. This oh wait, song. no, I, I did, I did. Oh, I okay, cool. I, watched, I did watch that. And first of all, I think the American ladies are a lot better. When I watched it, I didn't realize they were different casts, and I was like, oh, they're way better actors in person. But they're yeah, just different uh, people. That's, that's actually Helen York uh, from the other two as Evelyn. Uh, I don't know what the other two is. The Comedy Central show with her and Drew Tarver <laughs> as brother and sister. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I haven't watched that. That's so funny. Wow. Now I will have to check it out. There you go. She has a Bretty Snell's connection and a Drew Tarver connection. Sign me up. You feel um, like Matt Smith losing his accent. <laughs> yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so in the in that video, there uh, it's pretty fun when you see they're, they're dancing. At least I think it's pretty fun. And there's like the ensemble of of beautiful model type women doing like runway walks while holding like plates of food like that's pretty enjoyable to watch that's not bad you you can see where it has a little more a little to a lot more energy when it's like actually being performed yeah that said it a lot of the dancing is stilted in this way that i can't appreciate as someone who's never done any theater so like (laughs) i it it catches my eye just a little wrong even though i know like people who go to Broadway musicals are like yeah that's that's normal that's how you dance <laughs> yeah and I mean I love watching good dancing um and I definitely I definitely think the dancing in this is better than like any of the other aspects of this at least based on what I've seen but it's still like oh dance watching good dance can be so fun and so exciting and this is like just okay <laughs> yeah I, like not that not that that dancers themselves are just okay but like the the choices made in choreography are like not not in the spirit of being like super fun. Yeah, that that's that's the thing I noticed throughout, especially listening to this, is that it's not fun. Yeah, it seems like it aggressively doesn't want to be, right? Yeah, and I, I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that the songs are all in like this ominous minor key, but yeah. like I really don't enjoy. It's not pleasant to listen to. 
Yeah. And I love like an ominous minor key, but they did it. They just did it completely wrong. Yeah. And I feel like this, it feels like this show really takes itself seriously and really wants you to take it seriously. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking that too, because it, it knows it needs to be like a musical. So it needs to be like a fun thing with a lot of excess, but it really wants you to know, like, we know American Psycho. We, so we're going to be kind of like, we can't, we can't make it a big broad musical, but we know, like we get it. Like we get Patrick Van, we get his thing. And it's like so, it's it's trying so hard and doesn't really accomplish anything, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this next track, I think, is another a high point on the album. I wish I knew what the context for it was in the show. Okay. Is this the next song? Let me check. I thought it was O Sri Lanka. Oh no! You know what? My um, my Spotify keeps doing weird stuff. You're right. It's just got "Killing Time" highlighted as the one I'm currently playing, no matter what I'm actually playing. Very weird. Yes. Okay. So this next song is not one of the high points of the album. No. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> and rightfully so. Okay. So. Patrick, can you please do something? Your friends are ruining everything. Seriously, Paul, Gene, there are more important things to worry about than excuse me, Sri Lanka, or the death of downtown. Apartheid, for one, is simply not done. And we need to slow down the arms race. Well, terrorism is fine, it keeps the commies in line, and ending world hunger will save face. So why exactly is there an ice cube in my soy sauce? To chill it, Courtney. The Middle East is a beast, a big drag of least. It sure needs some Okay, so Matt Smith as Patrick Bateman is rapping now. About the world. About the world. <laughs> so Thoughts. If, if this is Streetcar the Musical, this <laughs> song is the Paperboy song. It's, you, you chose to do to make this the song. <laughs> yeah, so there's a scene in the uh, there's a scene in the movie where where Patrick is like, you know what America needs? a strong national defense and a focus on social awareness and he just kind of like is talking out his ass about current events but all of his friends are too dumb to realize that he's talking out of his ass uh and yeah and this uh these guys decided to turn it into a full rap yeah like a real a real 80s rap and <laughs> yeah. fitting of london fitting of london one of those like weird like 1983 new wave raps where it's like it's still a white guy Rapping. Right. Yeah, he's like he's almost n- non-rapping. Like it's almost more like I don't know, just like talk singing. Like Right Said Fred or like Chumbawamba. <laughs> like yeah. just just kind of talking to music, but sometimes he puts a little sauce on it where it feels like he's kind of trying to sound like gangster, <laughs> like trying to sound hip hop. And that's a I nightmare. Feel like- I feel like everything he's doing in the song is because the accent is just hanging by a thread. <laughs> that makes sense. It's probably really hard to rap in a, a foreign accent. I would imagine. There's, there's parts later on down the line where it, it completely falls, and that's always a joy. But this song was like, this is what I meant when this so, this musical was so unpleasant to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Like, it uh, sounds like news music behind him. <laughs> Oh yeah, like 
And maybe it's supposed to. It would be. It would fit thematically. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hate that I, idea. Yeah, I wouldn't like if the thing I was like, this sounds like this thing that sucks. They were like, that's on purpose. I can see it, but that's <laughs> it's bad, bad move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do kind of like one of the only like lyrics in this whole show that I enjoy is when he says apartheid for one is simply not done. But he says like terrorism is okay. (laughs) Um, I think that's totally something Patrick Bateman would say. It's not something he does say, but that feels totally in character to be like, I think apartheid is a little gauche, but I think, you know, committing a little bit of terrorism here and there. uh, I think it's understandable. That's great. I think that makes sense. Just yeah. just from the movie, it's un- it seemed like the important thing is that he's just saying something yeah. at all, and so it's just like a lot of political garbled speak for nothing. So any like it's like anything could have come out of his mouth. Yeah, and then uh, the chorus is. Hold on. called oh sri lanka and patrick's friends or maybe it's just the ensemble are singing oh sri lanka you are what what are they saying you are so your love i cannot find your love i cannot find yeah which feels like an in joke to fans i feel like i remember something either from the movie or or from the book that's like about people singing oh oh sri lanka dear sri lanka like, it's kind of an absurdist aside, if I remember correctly. And here they're just like, great, let's have everybody sing Oh Sri Lanka. All the American Psycho fans are going to go crazy. They're going to be like, ah, it's like the thing from the book. But it's like not presented in a way that works uh, contextually. And it's so orally unpleasant. that Because like, that seems like the second chorus where like there's like more things getting put in. And every thing that gets added in gets worse to hear <laughs> yeah absolutely and it feels hey, i really felt going into this like it was gonna like there was gonna be some good layering like some good kind of mash up m- mashing up of things um but it's not good nope. um and they don't even try to mash stuff up that much like well we'll get there we'll talk about it when we get there um any more thoughts on this one uh it it keeps up the trend of just hearing the music and it's just like unpleasant and like not even it's trying to be ominous because everything's supposed to be ominous but it's so sad sounding and it's just not enjoyable yeah (laughs) and don't rap for fuck's sake don't don't rap (laughs) okay so this next one i gotta say looking at the title i don't remember what this one is so let's see well, that was some performance you gave right there, Albert Dam. Oh, Sri Lanka? Hilarious. Oh, by the way, you missed nothing after leaving.
Okay. So the background music on this one to me sounds like sounds like Don't You Want Me. Do you hear that? So so what's actually happening here, I when I was looking it up, up, it up on Wikipedia, this is a New Order song. <gasps> oh, it is? <laughs> yeah. That, oh. So if, if you're like, why does this sound better? It's an actual song. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Because I knew they I, they do some songs in here that I recognize, but I did, yeah, I didn't recognize that one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have had it had I not been like reading the synopsis. <laughs> but it, yeah, like it sounds Good better because it's just a karaoke uh, New Order track so that you know they're in a club in the 80s. <laughs> oh, yeah, that probably is the context. Like whenever they do a song that's just a song, I've been like wondering yeah, what, I would say what's happening is, on stage. This is probably the best like cover that shows up in this soundtrack i would say there's some yeah. that uh really drove me up the wall but this one <laughs> oh, was yeah. this one was pretty just paint by numbers like 80s synth pop cover like okay good job yeah fair enough okay so here's the next one Every guy, time. Mm-hmm. every guy in this musical sounds like they were at one point Doctor Who. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it? Is it Patrick singing? Yeah, it's Patrick singing. It's, um, yes, Patrick and Price, I guess. Okay. Um, what do you What do you think of this song? Um, this was one of the more interesting ones. This is This is Killing Time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the music to this is very weird. To me, like it, it almost sounds like those like really weird Dilbert cartoons on YouTube, where it's just like this insanely <laughs> creepy sounding music. So, I enjoyed that memory. Uh, lyrically, I don't really like this one because it's it's too on the nose, even for American Psycho. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really don't like getting super into Patrick's angst, at least in this way. Like, really the. The book and the movie are nothing but Patrick's angst, but it's not this specific, like, hot topic light flavor of angst. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really simplifies it because, like, uh, obviously having just watched the movie, it's not subtle. But, like, the ways it's not subtle is Patrick is being, like, you know, I'm a fucking psychopath. Like, I don't feel anything, any of the stuff. It's never, like, I don't feel anything, so I do coke to numb the pain inside <laughs> me. Yeah. Will my life ever, ever come to anything? Like, it's so... <laughs> It's so angsty in a way that is not what the movie was, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it just feels like the way it's presented, like you're supposed to feel bad for Patrick, which you shouldn't. He's like, oh, I'm my life's boring and I do coke so that I'm not so bored and sad. And he's a murderer. Like clearly, that always that. Yeah, like it's 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 just like another scene. They're like, okay, that that's a song where they're doing coke <laughs> in the bathroom, and Justin Theroux starts just starts screaming at someone, and 
they they did just such a by the numbers version where it's like they're doing coke because they're sad <laughs> yeah that's not even it doesn't even feel like that's the subtext of that scene no i think this movie. is the I think this is uh, musical people projecting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. They probably have done a lot of sad coke. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we're gonna write about how th- them uh, doing a lot of coke is to is to feel better. Yeah, like, and the, it's pretty clearly that they they're just like psychos who just like feeling anything. It's not <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like. I feel like part of the problem with this musical is that, like, it does, it, like, a musical is a bunch of characters, like, ceasing to move the plot forward so that they can just stop and tell us what they're feeling. That's just, like, the standard style of a musical, Um, which could work really well for American Psycho because the book is pretty much nothing but Patrick being like, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm feeling. But they, but they just like condense it down into the like most kind of just like bland sentiments of like, oh, I feel like I'm dead on the inside. Uh, like, uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm dying. It's they're kind of trying to get to the point that American Psycho is making about like just the absolute soullessness of just accruing that capital and living that lifestyle. But they're not as good at being like mean about it or recognizing like the psychoticness of it so it's just a lot of like what you would do in a musical which is like this pain and sadness behind it yeah yep okay so the next song okay now now this This... i hate (laughs) i like this one i'm into this one So this is In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. A song I generally like. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, when I first listened to this, uh, Lenny and I listened to it together, and we thought that it was going to be like a refrain in a song that like had other stuff going on, like some kind of mashup type situation. But it's it's just a straight through cover of In the Air Tonight that... It starts out a cappella and then some instruments join in, but it still feels a cappella because it's just still like that same kind of choral arrangement. Very, um, what are they called? Fuck. Who are those guys who famously do cor- do uh, do covers of of pop songs? That, well, thank you for a seg- segueing into what I was going to say, <laughs> which is that this is a fucking annoying pentatonics ass yes pentatonics <laughs> yeah it does sound like pentatonics like it absolutely does and i uh, truly truly <laughs> loathe pentatonics i don't like acapella music and so this is okay th- this is throwing in that thing of like it feels like theater kids being like well why don't we just like do our our, our acapella version of in the air tonight and it it drove me nuts when i realized what this was <laughs> that's fair that's fair i do enjoy acapella music like i i kind of I kind of enjoy it ironically, and I kind of enjoy it genu- genuinely. 
Well, um, it, for that for that ironic thing, it also kind of sounds like it would like end a Glee episode. Yeah, for sure. And the girl singing but, lead really does sound like uh, uh, what's her name from Glee, Rachel. Leah Rachel Michelle. Girl. Yes, Leah Michelle. Yeah. It like it sounds like someone's being like ushered into like an ambulance while while like Leah Michelle is singing, <laughs> and it's like some awful plot twist. Yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see that. Um, but yeah, I I enjoy it. It. If it was on a Pentatonix album, it would probably be one of my less favorite arrangements on the album. But on this album, it's I think it's one of the better tracks. I also don't know why, like what the impetus is for this specific song being on. It's it seems a little off of the timeline, and also at least in the movie, uh, Susudio is what's playing. So like yeah. this, this feels like a weird saccharine choice, even though it I like a... this song. Yeah, that is a weird choice. Yeah, because he talks about he talks about Phil Collins a lot in the book. Um, I can't remember. He does like a review of Phil Collins's discography. I can't remember if he talks about it in the air tonight or not. Um, this book really did predict optimism. <laughs> really did, yeah. Um, and this musical could have done could have made better use of that fact. I agree. Um, okay. So in the air tonight happens, and then the next one is oof. This one, ugh, I think this is one of the cringier songs. It's it's not great. <laughs> put together it seems like do you think they're in an exercise class are they like at a club i i don't know it seems like it just turns into one of them because i'm looking at the lyrics on genius and there's like a a picture of what happens during the stage production and all of a sudden everything is like green and there's like a woman just suddenly shows up as like an instructor and they all just start doing stuff (laughs) okay great Love it. Does not make any sense. Um, so it seems like uh, Patrick's out with his man friends, and they're all talking about how attracted they are to the girl, except Lewis is at the same time singing about how attracted he is to Patrick. And then at the end, Lewis gets a little a little solo time to do his his sad refrain of this song. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's it it doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't really get he gets the time to shine. I wouldn't say that it <laughs> shines. Yes. I would agree. And, and this is another one where it's like having just watched the movie, it's like, oh yeah, that one line of dialogue. Now it's a five minute song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which like, I don't is... know if it's like longer in the book. <sighs> no, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I don't recognize this from the book. This seems like a complete right. invention. I mean they talk about you know, they talk about hard bodies. Like, they call attractive women hard bodies, but, like, that's it. That's the only thing I really recognize from the book here. 
and on Genius, like it says, like after they 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 all together say they like a hard body, mm-hmm. a woman shows up and her name is Instructor. So I assume she's just some sort of like fitness instructor that yeah. just shows up. Yeah. So maybe they are. Maybe they're at the gym in this song. Yes, actually, it says it right here on Genius. Hard body yeah. takes place in a gym where the okay. show is male cast. Yeah. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Okay. Also, during the scene, uh, Patrick and Courtney appear in the middle of the stage and loudly have sex. Okay. Yeah, I I heard that. It's like there's exercise noises happening, and then there's also sex noises happening at the same yeah, time. Yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, really, really multi-layered. <laughs> really makes you think. Um, okay, I wanted to play a little bit more of that. Hold on. All right, they do this whole. They have this whole conversation about, oh, we can't do this anymore. This was terrible, this conversation. Yeah. This this conversation... So in the movie... You saw the movie. I did. In the movie, this conversation does not happen. Am I correct? No, no, it doesn't. The conversation that happens is this drugged out and tragic Courtney being like, I wish that I could have a child. I hope you have a happy Easter (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. and they just stripped is, all the character out of that. <laughs> yeah, and also like including Patrick because this is where it really hits that like Matt Smith is at least on the cast recording not hitting the soullessness of Patrick Bateman. He's just being sarcastic. Yeah, that's true. There yeah, there's not anything like especially chilling about him here. No, he he's sounds just like, like Oh, brother. <laughs> Did you say he sounds like Chandler? He sounds like Chandler. <laughs> he totally sounds like Chandler. Yeah. One hundred percent. Okay, let me see if I can find the part I want to play. That's so embarrassing. Hold on. Okay. Okay. So this is the end of the group singing. out on we like them like that we like hard bodies we want to taste their la dee dottie yeah what the fuck is that why'd, why'd they do that that's this... some of the worst songwriting i've ever heard this sounds like, um... like this is not even o streetcar this sounds like when homer's like baby on board something something burt ward it's, it's just like, nuts. why are you choosing to censor just one thing out of American Psycho <laughs> the Musical? Especially if pussy rhymes. Just put yeah. it in there. It's really... I don't know. I really don't know. And Lottie Dottie, that's not even... That's not an acceptable, like, uh, replacement for pussy. No. That's not... Certainly that not. doesn't work. No one would say that. Certainly not when they're singing it in a way where it's like, oh, they're they're hitting their mark here. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So then we get that really bland, just like soap opera breakup between Patrick and Courtney. And then Lewis enters the stage. This, I think this is the paperboy moment. 
<laughs> he uh, enters the yeah, stage. Yeah. I, I imagine he has a single spotlight on him, and this is a little bit of what we get from Lewis. Oh. He wants to want me. He can't decide. And so he taunts me. He was lost for. So, what do you think of that? It it's weird. Yeah, it just kind of happens, and then it's over. This this yeah, you're right. This is the paper boy moment. It's like that one <laughs> scene now gets its whole minute to shine. Yeah, yeah. This is so weird, and I feel like the book and the movie, you know, paint paint Lewis to be a fool, and can be read as like pretty homophobic um i feel like uh i feel like lewis's character especially in the movie um well, actually in the book too in both is is kind of like um a closeted gay man's like paranoid dream of what people would see him as if they knew he was gay it's like all the stuff you you don't want to be stereotyped as um but i feel i feel like you know this coming out in 2K16, they wanted to be woke. They wanted to give yes, Lewis that's... his. They wanted to give Lewis his moment. They wanted to be sympathetic. They wanted to be good allies. It, uh, and it just it doesn't <laughs> land because it's just it's, a, it's supposed to be like a very pathetic moment in the, in the movie. Yeah, and, and like, I, yeah, and it's it's. Go ahead, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say like yeah, it's it's definitely homophobic, but that like that does at least make sense in the context of like these people are all like monsters in, from the 80s, of course. They'd be homophobic, and it feels like in in the 2010s, you're gonna feel like you need to sanitize that on some level, and it doesn't even get fully sanitized here. But so the compromise becomes like, yeah, he gets he gets a couple of times to sing about his feelings here. Yeah, and he's, I mean, based on the way he's singing, it sounds like his characterization is um, a lot different from in the book and the movie. Uh, he sounds a lot more butch. And a lot less specific. He just doesn't. He doesn't seem. He doesn't give off the feeling that he has a specific personality type. Whereas, like in the movie, you see him and he is quite the character. This little bow tie and his little middle parted bangs. Um, but he just seems. He seems boring, but more more dignified. Yeah. Certainly maybe, less problematic. Maybe he has that hair. Maybe, maybe he has that hair in the so. in the show. Because oh, God, yeah, I hope so. I will say, you don't want it. But your eye is immediately drawn to that weird ass bowl cut anytime <laughs> Lewis is on screen. It's really it's hypnotic. <laughs> Truly. Um, There's no explanation for it. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, let's take a little break here and we will hear a word from our sponsors, i.e., another show on this wonderful network. I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the last in it, damn it. Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media Majors, every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Okay, so where were we? All right, next up, we're gonna we're gonna hear from the ladies again. Thank God. Hi, 
What a line. <laughs> really great. Um, so romantic thing, violent thing, just back and forth. That's pretty much the format of this song. So to me, that's just such, it hits so well that first time that I think you should keep going to that well the entire song and several other songs if possible (laughs) so i was very happy to see the direction this goes in yeah thank god (laughs) um there is one in particular let's see let me pull up some of the lyrics this one was definitely my least favorite and like because it starts it off so like that's like 2004 edgy kind of (laughs) lyrics yeah like that's on that's on a t-shirt (laughs) hell.com t-shirt yeah totally um, the lyric here that I think is the most embarrassing to listen to is, uh, if he got married, he might relax. I'd serve him dinner. And then Patrick says, I'd swing an ax. <laughs> I think that's just Poetry. unforgivable. <laughs> absolutely. It's beautiful. There's, there's some absolutely bizarre choices throughout this song. And yeah. I, I found, I found the most baffling lyric. Oh, here. hit me. Yes. And it's followed up with a, maybe actually the worst uh, violence line. So Evelyn goes, the band should be ethnic, perhaps a bit reggae. <laughs> and then Patrick goes, maybe machine guns will make a good segue. <laughs> yeah. That is baffling. It sure what? rhymes, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a segue between what and what? The band playing I, and the... And the... I, <laughs> I don't know. Why does she want a reggae band? That's like That doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah, from what we know. She would never say that. Yeah. That's so weird. You are absolutely correct. That is the, that is the most then, baffling. And then just somewhere in the middle, uh, Jean just shows up to like kind of be forlorn. Yes, because Jean is in love with Patrick. Um, and that's, that's addressed a little bit in this show. Um, to very to very boring effect, I would say. Yeah, just like it keeps popping up for no reason, and yeah. it never justifies its existence. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Jean in the movie, played by Chloe Sevigny? Uh, I liked Chloe Sevigny in the movie. I, I, there's she doesn't she only gets so much to do except at the end where she gets to look at look at all them drawings. But I thought she did a good job. <laughs> yeah, she's one a lot of the people. More... I didn't know her in this movie. Yeah, it's got a good cast. It's got our dear friend Jared Leto. Our dear friend Reese Witherspoon. Yes, little Reese Witherspoon. We Why got not just bring Jared Justin Leto on here? He's everyone's favorite singer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I went through a little bit of an ironic how, 30 seconds to Mars phase. In my how youth, mad do you lie. think How mad do you think Jared Leto was that this came out like 10 years too late for him to be in it? <laughs> I honestly, I'm not going to pretend to understand the goings on of Jared Leto's mind. I, I can't true. even no guess. One, no one can <laughs> tame that man. He named his band 30 Seconds to Mars. He sure did. And he mailed Margot Robbie a decapitated pig or something. Very cool. <laughs> Super cool. Uh, yeah, so this song is, would you say, would you say one note is the way to describe it? Very, very one note. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's, it feels like they're like, okay, we have to deal with like one of the few kind of rec- like when I want to, one of the recurring 
things, which is her wanting to get married and him putting it off. And they're like, well, then we get one song where we get to be like, she wants a wedding and he wants to freaking murder. <laughs> yeah. This does feel like a, a musical that in the subtext is saying freaking a lot. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, again, they, they say la di da when they just mean like genitals. God, they sure do. They sure do, Steve. Mm -hmm. um okay so what's our next what's our next song let's I believe we're hit track 10 now here. track 10 let's do it oh okay this too one too many fucking songs yeah <laughs> this is too many songs this one seems like it it wants to be another one of the money songs this is yeah. like the the oh people are going to be singing this on auditions for years song maybe they are maybe they are it's always good to do a musical nobody saw because nobody's tired of the song yet that's a little tip for Broadway actors out there. Pretend you wrote it. <laughs> yes. Look at history, open the books. There are statues with great looks. There are gods, there are kings. I'm pretty sure I'm the same thing. Beyond boundaries, beyond I've been taught in the best schools that there is little I won't do Is the same thing true of you I am needing So This is Common Man Not oh, a common man Oh, yeah. terribly sorry Not a common man <laughs> Do not ever call Patrick Bateman a common Ooh. man This is this is You Say Psycho Like It's a Bad Thing t-shirt The musical <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um like it's trying it's trying to be very mature about it, but at, we were about to hit the hook, which is him saying, I am something other than a common man. I'm not a common man. <laughs> One airtight lyrics. Absolutely. Let's all but, right, let's let's listen to that refrain. Every pleasure is a bore. I am something. So that, that was the hook. That's grown-up Jughead speech. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, uh, Jughead speech is honestly a lot better than any of the lyrics in, the, in this but Yeah, it's, like it's trying to be, like, a mature version of, like, you know, like, when you're 13 and, like, listening to new metal and you're like, I'm a fucking freak. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just him being like, I'm not, I'm not your average man because I kill people. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that I think plagues this entire soundtrack is that the... The verses sound exactly the same as the chorus, mm -hmm. and they sound exactly like the verse and chorus of every other song in this show. Yes, a hundred percent. For for a show, uh, an entity that is so over the top, every song is way too low key in the exact same way. Yeah, it would really be easy to like chop them up and like sew them back together, and like you probably wouldn't really be able to tell that they were different songs, like patched together because they're all, they're all really similar they they all feel like keyboard presets yeah absolutely that oh man this this kind of commentary this is why i had you on the show you're 100 percent correct you. <laughs> yeah. thank you yes um you're very welcome all right do we have anything else to say about common man did anything jump out at you as especially heinous uh well, I know this is this is the song for during like when he sleeps with the two escorts, mm. and there is a video of it online 
of like the performance happening. Oh, I didn't and, see that. Well, through throughout it, there are like moving drawings in the background of sex acts happening, but it's just like stick figures with dicks and tits. <laughs> And then, like, sometimes, like, a background cast member will come in and, like, kind of kneel or sit or stand in front of it and mime the same thing. That sounds and... dumb as shit. Well, I, uh, my first thought was, like, that must have something to do with, like, the end where, like, he's just drawn all this insane, heinous shit in his, in his book. But it could right. just be them being, like, sex is happening. Look. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. A lot of questions. Oh, yeah. And this, so this ends with... This isn't on the soundtrack, but it is on the lyrics. It ends with him saying, Sabrina will have a limp tomorrow. Kristen, Kristen, her name is Christy, uh, will have a black eye and lacerations on her back from a coat hanger. They will both leave my apartment bleeding. Okay. (laughs) Which, yes, this is action taken from the book and movie, but it's not the wording from the book and the movie, and you can tell because it's a little dumb. Um, Overall... And I guess, you know, there's probably, I'm sure there's dialogue in the show that's not on the soundtrack. It doesn't seem like it's a sung through musical, but based on the snippets of dialogue that we do here, it seems like they are not availing themselves themselves of the dialogue that's provided in the book slash movie, which like all the, all the dialogue in the movie pretty much is pulled straight from the book. Um, But it seems like they wrote all fresh new dialogue and I don't know why. It, 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 look, if I'm getting credit for the book, I'm writing the book. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I also, that's a weird one because, like, that's something you see in the movie. I don't know how it's described in the book. So it, right, hearing yeah. hearing that in the musical feels like they're just like, it's, it's very creepy. It's almost like we have to put this in because the audience will recognize that. Maybe that's a laugh line. And that's kind of fucked. <laughs> Right, yeah. That's actually, in the in the book, it's actually um, one of the few things that is left in the imagination. It's just like, he gets a coat hanger, and then that's the end of that. And you don't yeah. hear from those girls for a long time. And then one of the when you see uh, Christy again, she's like, well, I had to go to the hospital last time. Um, which is a better approach. Yeah, that, that's the movie as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's right. Um, okay. And so that song sucks. Ooh, mm-hmm. baby, get ready. Put on your put on your your jingle cap <laughs> and get get ready for Christmas because here it comes. So we are at the Christmas party. Uh, once again, a 10-second interaction mistletoe alert has been stretched out into an entire song. Yeah. Um, okay, what happens over the course of this song? I'm actually not as familiar with this one. This one has uh, slipped out of my brain. Yeah, so it's a lot of just, I believe it's Evelyn. It's Evelyn's hosting her Christmas party. Yes. Patrick is losing his mind. Uh, Lewis is gay, and so they have him in a few times. 
to just come out and sing I'm gay, which is very cool. <laughs> really, really nailing it Hell there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, so toward the end, Patrick is kind of like losing his mind and talking about like putting X in the eggnog and killing people. Right, okay. Now, cool. if, I, if I was tasking you with, with writing this musical mm-hmm. and I had you like kind of like take out a notebook, watch the movie, or read the book, and jot out like a hundred like things that you think could be good song titles would mistletoe alert have made that that top 100 (laughs) oh i do not think so (laughs) no it is completely just a random like aside to be like oh yeah this guy like it's what i liked about stuff like that in the movie is that he is just so inhuman it's almost like watching like like an intentional Tommy Wiseau, like just kind of <laughs> going through the motions of humanity. And it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like this, this musical just doesn't, just doesn't hit that in the same way. Like there's a, one of my favorite moments in the movie, which really kind of hit home that like, Oh, this is going to be like good mm-hmm. was during the, um, the card scene where the, the voiceover is going and Patrick is talking about how people, you know, confuse him and Paul for the same person, and he just goes. Um, at some point, Patrick just goes. Uh, we even go to the same barber, but uh, my haircut's a little better. And it feels like a, it feels like a line Garth Marenghi would have said, and it makes so much sense of like a, just weird, like weird psycho, just doing these random asides that are like not how a human acts. And this, whoever's writing the book for this, just does not seem to to grasp what what made this show interesting i think yeah absolutely and like with using mistletoe alert as an example like i think that the mistletoe alert moment in the movie is really funny because like evelyn has him backed into a corner and is like wait why did he why did he call you marcus halberstrom and he's like um mistletoe alert (laughs) and it's just like so so overdone and such an obvious like distraction ploy but it just weirdly works and it's like so it surprises you um yeah but this it it, there's no surprise to it and they don't even like they say mistletoe alert mistletoe alert but they don't it seems like they don't actually incorporate the actual moment that exists in the movie this this feels like a grave miscalculation of what will and will not get an applause of recognition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it does. It feels like another thing that's supposed to be like an inside joke. Like, oh, you guys remember? Mistletoe alert. We're not going to do the whole thing because we know you've seen the movie, but you get it. And I cannot stress this enough. Lewis just shows up four times to remind you he's gay. And it's <laughs> weird each time. <laughs> Is, uh, like, like we have um, the lyrics, and if the party starts to waver, I hope somebody brings party favors, or at least something risque, a little naughty, or a little gay. Is that, like, Patrick singing, and then Lewis comes in at the end to say, or a little gay? <laughs> What's happening uh, there? According to... According to Genius, it's Courtney singing, and then Lewis just kind of pops in. Okay. So he is the one who adds, like, or a little guy, right? Yes. He's also the one at the beginning who says, one of those waiters is more than fine. You know, how gay men talk. Yes. <laughs> Oof. This one's, this one's rough. This is the last song on Act 1, too. It, it's not ending strong. <laughs> this is the act break. Wow. I think technically, at least from Wikipedia, the act break technically ends on him murdering paul oh that makes sense that's a good act break 
this is just the last song which which is such a weird a weird one yeah and it it seems like it's pretty clear from the content of the songs that the murders all happen out outside of music uh the murders all happen in spoken scenes which i don't know that feels like a misstep to me like yeah i feel like if i'm gonna if i want to see american psycho the musical i obviously want to see patrick singing about killing while he's killing right yeah and it seems like there's only a couple songs later that do that and that's a shame yeah and i wonder i wonder if the murder scenes that don't have any music incorporated i wonder if they i wonder how closely they adhere to the source material or if they they probably veer off but i don't know i don't know i don't know okay so we're back from intermission and uh, this song is waiting for us. Five minutes to die. Another 30 to stop bleeding. I know because I time it. Afterwards, still wearing the bloodied raincoat, I take a cab to Paul's apartment on the Upper East Side. I let myself in with his keys. A plan is taking shape in the folds of my brain. But where should I send Paul on a business trip? Rome? Amsterdam? Phoenix? Ooh, that, that was a rough... That was a rough ca- accent moment. You you catch his accent slipping. Amsterdam. <laughs> well, then I want to go back and listen to it again. Yeah, that's a that's a delight. Amsterdam. <laughs> I can go back again. Okay. I let myself in with his keys. A plan is taking shape in the folds of my brain. But where should I send Paul on a business trip? Rome, Amsterdam, Phoenix, London. I'll send the bastard to Amsterdam. <laughs> Oh, but he also says bastard. Oh, this is not. This is not a live performance. Like they didn't have to use that take. This is this is late in the day. <laughs> and maybe you know what? Maybe that's just legitimately the best he had in him. It might. Maybe this is the best he could do. Maybe it is late, and he's like, "Look, I have a photo shoot where where I'm gonna like look down like angstily." <laughs> yeah, maybe because that's mostly what I know him from. <laughs> from his photo shoots. From just from just pictures where he looks sad and like Aww. Tumblr people are like screaming at him. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. Does this song ever become a song? It does become a song. I've become clean. It's <laughs> also a little rough. Look, you can't hold a British accent for too long. We we can't be expecting these things of people. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's not like you got paid for it. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Artist theater. He didn't. <laughs> so the the chorus is: We are sinners, long-eyed sinners. We are winners, wasted winner. We are faceless, perfect faces. We fixed the races and took our places. What's happening? What is this? That is some slam poetry. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's sung by not by Patrick, right? It's just sung by like the ensemble. Yeah, that's the that's the company and then like it ends on him and the company saying, "But I'm clean" because he has just uh, I guess cleaned his apartment of Paul's dead body. Right. Okay, so I guess probably during this song he's he's probably cleaning up blood and body parts that would be my guess <laughs> all right mm-hmm. Amsterdam. <laughs> 
You need a soundboard of every time Matt Smith's <laughs> accent just falls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so moving on. December slides into January, which mutates into February, which creeps towards March. There is a theory. Okay, that- so right off the bat, that feels like some real creative writing 101 bullshit. 21 pilots. <laughs> yeah. December December fades into January, which creeps into February, which mutates into March. <laughs> Shut up. Like, cool, you found the synonym thing on Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Paul might have satisfied something, but no, no. I've continued to have intense dreams about vivisection. My nightly bloodlust continues to overflow. Hey, pretty girl, do you want to dance? Do you want to get lucky? Well, this is your chance. The drinks are on me. Can I be frank? I'm doing quite well in my investment bank. What do you do? What do you do for a living? No, don't answer that. I don't care. I'm just kidding. You can... Okay. So this seems to be... If I'm correct, uh, I think this is the scene where he goes out to the club and he meets the models. Yes. So this is this is I saw a, a quick clip of it on YouTube and he this one he is killing people in. Oh, OK. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it's very interesting that like once the music should probably be a little more ominous, it pulls back and gets way more boring. <laughs> yeah. And this is I don't know, but at least this feels a little bit catchier than a lot of, like, it's not catchy, but it's, I maybe I'm just, maybe what the word I'm looking for is up-tempo. Maybe it's just slightly more up-tempo than that, a lot of the songs. That could be it. Yeah. This, 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 ver- this still feels pretty generic to me. Yeah, it's definitely generic. Um, it does not ignite any joy or feeling in me, but. No. Um, but it's a song. I can tell you that for sure. You cannot oh. take that away from it. Oh, and it's called Killing Spree, so it makes sense that there would be some murders happening during it. Oh, and Lewis comes back in this one. Oh, what does Lewis have to say? This is when he, he keeps calling Patrick. Oh, I actually, I saved, yes. So I saved some lyrics. I think this is the ending. Yes. Word uh, uh, there. Yeah. Um. He, this is another one of the most humiliating moments of this show in my opinion i guess i'll actually i'll find it and i'll play it hey you it's me beep you have reached patrick bateman's number he isn't able to come to the phone right now so please leave a message after the tone oh, patrick you don't think i'd recognize your real voice leave me the fuck alone lewis or i will decapitate you i hear the words you're saying but you need to hear my words i love you Okay, first of all, what I want to say about that is you don't think I'd recognize your real voice does not make any sense to me because I feel like when you're on the phone, a voicemail sounds like a person's voice on the phone. Yes. Okay, thank you so much. Maybe it was, maybe it was different in the 80s. <laughs> maybe it was. That's fair. Um, <laughs> and so Patrick threatens to decapitate Lewis, and Lewis says, I hear the words you're saying, but you need to hear my words. I love you. Which is honestly a pretty accurate depiction of gay life. IMO. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the part that I think is just incredibly terrible. Let's see. 
So hold on, Katie. I think I think you're a little out of your depth here. Allow me to explain. So you've you've brought a lot of of what the gay lifestyle is. Allow me to explain the straight lifestyle to you, which is you know sometimes you know a man who is gay will hit on you, and you have to be polite and very normal in your phrasing of turning him down, and you have to be like, look, I have no problem with this. I support you, but some guy's ass is just not what I bone. It's just not what I bone. It's simply, it simply it's is not. <laughs> That's and just how dudes talk. <laughs> Here's what kills me here. I mean, there's a lot that's killing me. But <laughs> one thing I, I would like to point out is Patrick's not, like, saving face with anybody. Like, he's just talking to us, the audience. So we're basically in his head. And he's like... Uh, this guy at work is totally gay, and that's all cool to each his own. But that's clearly not ha- how Patrick feels. Patrick is decidedly homophobic. Yeah. And it's it's not just in the movie. It's not like they phased that out of his character, because there's definitely a part later on, or maybe it already happened, where he's spewing F-bombs about this F-bomb that he killed. Um, clearly, clearly a homophobic man. Why would he, why would he pull a Seinfeld? We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to root for you. It's like, I don't like, and Patrick Bateman wouldn't give a shit if like an audience thought that, thought that he was being homophobic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the writer. That's the writer inserting himself. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh, you know what? Actually, but actually I said he was just talking to the audience, but this is part of Killing Spree, and maybe he's talking to a girl that he's about to kill. Because after that, he says, after, but some guy's ass is not what I bone. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> he says, like, let's go back I'm to my bored. Place, yeah. Let's roll. Let's go back to my place. Have an after party. I can eat your face. Don't be nervous. Invite your friends. The night is young, but it all depends. So, okay, God, I take that I, back. I, it does make sense for him to be talking to a girl and be like, no, I don't have a problem with gay people, obviously. So it's a perfect lyric. <laughs> yes. And it's that's how it, we all phrase it all the time. Absolutely. God. It's just so... I mean, I don't have to explain this. It's so... No. It's incredible. I kind of want to frame it. It's... I believe this is what's called posting cringe to the timeline. <laughs> yes. This is definitely some cringe. Uh, yeah, I think that that, I think that's probably the low point of the lyrics, in my opinion. It, may, maybe it's because I'm an idiot, but, like, it had almost completely slipped my mind that that's the stupidest possible phrasing of that when I first looked at it. And now it's all I can think about. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, but what are the ladies up to? <laughs> Let's find out. My perfect little angel. He was a beautiful child. He made me laugh. He made me smile. A golden path was paved. Still, he was so well behaved. And it's a funny thing. 
So Patrick's mom is in the mix, reminiscing about what a sweet child he was. Does this happen in the book? No. His mom, I believe, is locked away in a mental asylum in the movie, or in the book. She's got, yeah, like, some not... kind of serious problems. I think he goes to see her at some point, but she's, like, not communicative. Certainly she's this not does not the happen. Movie at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This for sure does not happen. Um, and it's weird. Why bother? This is called giving Gene some shit to do. That's, <laughs> that's the only possible explanation. It's yeah. like, well, we have a, a pretty major character who's just not doing anything. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I do think that Gene's, Gene's verses are kind of nice. Uh, let me play. I'm going to play some Gene. Let's see. That's still mom. Okay. I knew one day he'd rule the world. It's a nice thought. Patrick as a little child. Playing at the seaside. His spirit free. His laughter wild. It's a nice thought. To think that Okay, I kind of like it until so that would you ending say that is stuck kind the of landing? <laughs> I would not say it stuck the landing. Um, but I do enjoy the majority of that uh, of of Jean's verses. Um it feels it feels like it should be a component of a stronger song. Like it's like the yeah, best part so of this boring. song and it doesn't carry it, but it it feels like it should be like the kind of lull part of a song that then like kicks in. Like it should be like the intro to I Dreamed a Dream, and then there should be a point towards the end where it's like, and now like a full belting moment, but there's yeah. none of that. There's a moment here that really shows just how little Gene gets to do in this entire show. In the second <laughs> verse, according to according to Genius, Patrick's mother is singing her verse, and throughout, Gene is just singing in the background Patrick Bateman. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can play a little bit of that, Let's hear what it sounds like. So I can't tell if Gene was singing in there. It's definitely some of the ensemble, but maybe Gene is yeah. singing with them. Genius says Gene and Evelyn. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. It's ladies' time. <laughs> Patrick Bateman, Patrick Bateman, Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Really great, really great stuff. Really good. Yeah, we're in the we're in our feelings now. We're in the feeling portion of the evening. But we are about to get to my favorite song in the musical. <laughs> I thought this would be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand for you. All right, let's let's hear it. I prescribe the Hamptons. We'll stay at Tim's. I have keys. To Tim Price's house. Yeah, well, it's just sitting there, Patrick. I'll book us a helicopter. As in an aircraft? Oh, Patrick, what would you have us do? Rent a Volvo? <laughs> we'll go for a bike ride. We'll head to the beach. If you bring the Prosecco, I'll bring the peach. 
Okay, Steve, how would you describe the sound, the sound of this song? Um, it's, it's like the Hamptons meets Margaritaville, kind of. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it is interesting that she's like, oh, we're going to go to the Hamptons, and then it's like, eh, Calypso time. <laughs> yeah, isn't the Hamptons like upstate? Yeah, it's just upstate. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. Yeah, you go to ski there, well, very weird. Yeah, and it's called At the End of an Island. Yeah, I, to be fair, I don't make enough money to know anything of actual substance about the Hamptons. <laughs> Me neither. I do know, I mean, I I gener- I do obviously enjoy a good island time vibe in any song, mm-hmm. but in this specifically, it just felt, this is not a good song. None of these are good songs to no. me, but it was just such a relief to get something a little different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, this one at least you could pick out of a lineup. Yeah. I mean, um, sometimes it's ruined by Matt Smith speaking. Like, there's you get these like and these monologues and everything. Right. Um. You know what? Maybe. Okay. She says she prescribes the Hamptons, but maybe they do not go to the Hamptons, and maybe instead they go to Long Island, and that is why it's an island. Because after this song, he says something about how much Long Island sucks. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely imagine you, like, furthering your mental decline by <laughs> virtue of being in Long Island. Yeah, absolutely. So that makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is a sequence that does not make it into the movie, but it is in the no. book where they go out of town um, and they have a nice time for a while, and then Patrick starts bugging out. He starts fucking with Evelyn's food when she's not paying attention. She buys her a puppy, and then he drowns the puppy, but she doesn't notice because they're all cold and dead inside. And then they come back. Then they come back home. Uh, it's an interesting, I don't know, an interesting yeah, choice to okay. include. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You are right yeah. that it is at least a relief to be yeah. listening to something different. I would have leaned more into the weird like islandy vibe it's going for mm. like a, it's it's another thing like they, they keep pulling back on anything that they could have any choice they could have made yeah so why not just like throw in like steel drums and shit like why not really heighten this up as just like a really fun islandy song right. wh- where he's just wantonly killing people and animals <laughs> yeah and it seems like when it seems like whenever they have the opportunity to make a big choice like that they're just like too embarrassed like they want to be cool and they don't want to yeah. do anything too big. Well, that is true. Like this, the, the making of this definitely has a lot of like trying to be cool. Cause I was like trying to find reviews mm-hmm. and like, there's some Broadway reviews. Most of them praised this just because the Broadway guy ha- was like a hunk. Like that was truly <laughs> okay, the reason great. it was getting so much praise. <laughs> which, well, that's fun. Fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> but there was one where like they, they had like embedded a Duncan Sheik tweet. Like while it was going on Broadway, and he was like, you know, it was like at AP the musical is for the cool kids. Like obviously, <laughs> theater kids will still have find, find stuff to en- to enjoy in this, but like you know how it is. And it's like you're oh, you want God. this to be like a cool thing. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. You're the barely breathing guy. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? Anything else to say about at the end? Of an island. I do have a question. Yeah, hit me. What 90s alternative guy would you rather be successfully composing Broadway musicals? Oh, my God. Aaron Barrett. I 
respect and love that choice. <laughs> and just just to go with something else, I'll say Dan Wilson of Sammy Sonic. Right. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Aaron Barrett should have done the American Psycho musical. That man understands how to write music that conveys tortured I, arrogance. I think and I think that would have been too scary. <laughs> it would have been too scary. Okay. But you would have gotten a real ass island time song from it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he's scarier and he's more island time. It's perfect. Okay. Here's our next track. truly sounds like every other song on this album. This is the underwater DK level. Okay, so Patrick Bateman is back in the city. Patrick Bateman lost in New York. Uh, okay, what's, I'm 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 yeah. glad that the song is just straight up called "I Am Back." We're through with any <laughs> we're through with any effort. We Absolutely. got a deadline. <laughs> yeah. So he says, uh, "I've got a pretty good plan to compliment my perfect tan, a prostitute, a friend, a messy, satisfying end." Need I remind you of an obvious fact? I am back. Parentheses. He is back. Did you think I was an amateur or just a weekend pack? I am back. He is back. Um, what is a weekend pack? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so then he picks up Christy and Sabrina. And then presumably murders them. I'm assuming this yes. is that scene. Oh, yeah. So it ends. Yeah, he, he comes back to Christine. Right. It ends according to the lyrics I'm looking at, but not. this isn't on the on the track it ends with him hacking off christy this says christine she's christy in the book and the movie so i'm guessing she's still christy he says you know i think she's still alive because she's bleeding heavily from the stumps so i use them to scrawl in blood red letters across paul owen's walls something from my memory from it seems a lifetime ago abandon all hope ye who enter here now abandon all hope ye who enter here is the first line of the book American Psycho. Uh, and I got to say, this feels like another, eh, get it moment. Because he's saying like, oh, this is something I remember from like a lifetime ago. I don't know. It just seems like another thing that's supposed to be for the fans. I think that makes sense and is a better ending than the actual ending lyrics, which are, I am back, he is back three times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am back, he is back. It's so true. Okay, and then we're we're closing in. We're closing in on this. There's we're almost almost done. Uh, well, we got we got we got to have one more for the ladies. Oh, we gotta we gotta hear from the ladies. Uh, and here we are. His voice a little thin Does he need someone The way that I need him Does everything he has 
So this is the big lady ballad of the show. This is our powerful so moment. Yeah. This is our I dreamed a dream. For real. Uh, From a character who has done nothing. Yes. Just sat around and felt the whole time. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely boring. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this song? No. It, it barely registered in my mind. Yeah. It was Because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to... Anything Gene does doesn't really add anything to the plot it really does seem to exist to include gene <laughs> yeah it's like we are paying this girl as a principal so god damn it we are gonna get our money's worth she is gonna do it's, two songs it also kind of feels like like it it's their way of like trying to adhere to some sort of actual musical structure yeah where it's like american psycho can't really be just like a, a regular musical but the, yeah. you know they're they're gonna try and get like their tropes in somewhere and one is you know the big ballad of how you're in love with him right yeah yeah i guess so yeah i guess this isn't our i dreamed a dream this is our on my own yes uh yeah sure <laughs> trust me it's a good comparison i trust you <laughs> um yeah it's very forgettable uh and then oh this is this one's good this i enjoyed this but hold on, I'm going to turn a light on. Okay, our next song, I think, is a good time. What's wrong with that guy's voice? Did you hear that? No, I missed that. What was that? Hold on, I'm gonna back up. Oh, he yawns. Did you hear that? Yeah, he yawns in a round. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Very strange. Um, Look, it's hard to hold accents. You're <laughs> really hard. Um, so I'm guessing you hate this since it's more pentatonic bullshit. Yes. I will say Don't You Want Me is like a lot more inherently catchy than In the Air Tonight. So there's yeah. a little bit more to kind of enjoy just on principle. But yeah, yeah the, the acapella thing, just I really, really don't enjoy it. I get that. I like the idea of Patrick Bateman being followed around by an acapella choir. I feel like probably it wasn't. I, I think it's the, the punishment he deserves. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so this one's just another straight through, straight through cover. I don't know what the context is. And I guess I'll never know. Yeah. Unless you so. know. Do you know? Uh, I assume it's they're just like at a party or something. Yeah, probably. Um. So, okay, on Spotify, we go into This Is Not an Exit and then into Selling Out. But it seems like Selling Out should be earlier, right? So so I believe what happened is Selling Out was added for the American oh. version. And so there's just, like, an addition. Like, there's a few additions here that, like, seem to not be what the London recording was. Got you. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Because um, Selling Out is the only one that I've seen a full staged performance of because the Broadway cast did it on the Colbert show. I made it, like, two-thirds of the way through that video, and I just couldn't. <sighs> I, watched, I, I, did. I watched the whole thing. 
not great. Yeah, I gotta say, I remember it hurting my soul, but I also don't remember anything about it. <laughs> in, I think I in and out. I, at that point, I had just given three and a half hours of my day to American Psycho-related material, <laughs> and I just like I was just done. Yeah, that's a lot. That's fair. Um, okay, so uh, so here's the we're it's big big finale time, and then we'll then we'll in, listen, in theory in theory yeah, and then we'll listen to selling out Fisher King remix. Okay. Okay, I want to pause it right there. Maybe, yeah, maybe this schism is just a symptom of late capitalism. We're back into slant poetry. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, it feels like, obviously, American Psycho is about the evils of capitalism, but I don't want to hear anybody come on stage and say that. No, I really don't. We're, we'll get into more of the lyrics of this as we play it. I really didn't like this as an ending. Yeah, okay. So, some more. He's died and risen. Is this Lewis? No, it's Patrick. Oh, very, very deep. To their own collapse. Even if this storm overwrought and gory it's not a fable it's not an allegory how excited do you think duncan Sheik was about realizing that he could say even if this is overwrought and gory it's not a fable it's not an allegory i feel like I he mean, was really excited to rhyme gory with allegory as happy as any of us would be if we had struck gold <laughs> absolutely Hmm? Yeah. Hold on, keep going on this. Slip Cautionary. Or a perhaps. Cautionary is my favorite slip so far. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I made it into the official soundtrack. <laughs> okay, let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> I simply don't exist. So that's a famous line from the movie. What's been done here, judge it how you wish. I am all alone here. I am a solipsist. I hate that. I am a solipsist. He just comes yeah. out and says, I am a solipsist. <laughs> It's a bad closing track, really lyrically bad. and musically. Yeah. Okay, I still want to get. I want to get to the title lyric. Oh yeah. What we have I am not a person known to All the doors are tried and Okay, what do you think of this is not an exit as a refrain? Um, pretty clunky. Yeah. I would say. And I 
this this song it it makes sense to me as as the closer because it's just so boring and just never builds it's such a weird closing track because it's not a big ending which i guess is kind of the point this is not an exit blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like it's so like you're tired by the end of this (laughs) yeah because it's just so nothing and the lyrics are all just about how patrick bateman is like a land of contrasts or something (laughs) yeah and honestly uh, like everything we're saying about this being like just like so trying to get through and uh and like anticlimactic it all really sounds like the stuff that the book does on purpose. The movie, not as much. The movie kind of fits a neater, uh, is slicker and more fun. Um, but the the book really like does this kind of stuff on purpose. Um, and like I don't love the book, but I respect it. Um, but yeah. if it feel it really, I really suspect that the musical is trying to recapture that, but uh, just doesn't have just doesn't have the the skill. Yeah, and if that's what they're doing, then it kind of just backs up my immediate reaction when you told me we should do the American Sucker musical, which is, that's a bad idea for a musical. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly, well, it's certainly a bad musical. I'll give you that do you much. Know, do you know any fans of it? Because looking the stuff up on YouTube, there there is a small but fierce cabal of people who really wanted this to succeed on Broadway. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I wanted it to succeed on Broadway. Uh, I hadn't seen it, but just uh, on on principle. Um, but You n- just wanted more Brett Easton Ellis on Broadway. Yes! I want the rules of attraction on Broadway. Um, I don't know anybody who has seen or indeed heard of it. Other than Brett Easton Ellis right. himself. <laughs> who in his book White that came out this year, he talked a little bit about uh, working on getting American Psycho made and uh, the musical. And basically everything he says about it is like, I was excited at the idea that this would be a good paycheck. And then like later, like it turned out that this was not a very good paycheck for me. <laughs> like That's wow. like the extent of his thoughts on it. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was a huge money loss yeah, on it Broadway. Was, it was a big flop. I was going to ask if he had made a statement on it because I know he had a lot to say about the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's not as fun for him to <laughs> to pick on the musical. He's, you know, he's controversial, but he's not a bad man. And he might feel sad for these guys who poured their hearts and soul. Like, he, I don't think he had any emotional investment in the musical, really, at any point. Right. He just had, like, the hope that, you know, that it would be a good thing for him as a business venture but i think he might feel bad for these guys who clearly love his work and had a lot of high hopes for this and just thoroughly failed i think that's fair what do you think how do you think this would have gone had the music been written by the one man who can understand brady Ellis, morrissey <laughs> oh my god oh well it would be a lot more uh anti-semitic yes um they would they would do the scene where patrick is like cool it with the anti-semitic remarks but but he'd be like hey Let's hear some more anti-Semitic remarks. Yeah, there'd be a song about the loony left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would honestly love... I, I, I would love, of course, to hear an American Psycho musical written by Morrissey. I think it could be great. I do. It'd be the best thing we ever walked past a protest. Into. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, and this is not an exit is the last line of the novel. So that's right. why that's the the title of this track 
Um, but once again, they've kind of just lifted something out of the book and put it in a different context uh, where it's doing a different thing. Uh, and yeah, pretty, pretty boring, pretty embarrassing, pretty, boring. pretty dumb. Uh, do we have anything more to say about this track? No, by the time I heard it, I was just very tired and like nothing about it ever like elevated. Yeah. And it just kept, and it kept going. That like, instead of it being like a big end, like in terms of theatricality, it's just long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, uh, there's no, nothing ever like comes to a head. There's never like a big moment. There's never like a catchy, a truly catchy song, like. Oof. everything just feels like it's kind of like the the precursor to the good stuff and then it's over yeah. um okay so let's check out a little bit of this song that was ended that was added for the american show but this is the fisher king remix so i don't know if it's gonna be a lot different sell out real big fisher king remix <laughs> yeah Oh my god, this song is called Selling Out, you guys. You don't understand why that was an incredible joke. There's a race, we're running to the breakdown, come and we say uh-oh, uh-oh. We try explaining when the sky stops raining, but we don't know, don't know, don't know. And this girl keeps singing till my ears are ringing, I say uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. She says her night begins when the DJ Okay. So I will say that song sounds more like it would be something you would hear on the radio. Yes, but like in a bad way. Yeah, it's it's like not good. It's it's 2016 doing like a toned down version of EDM from like tw- that was already being used in car commercials <laughs> by 2012, yeah. but it's supposed to be like the cool the cool thing. They did it on Colbert. Yeah, they did it on Colbert. Um, yeah, so that song, honestly, I'm not even sure what it what it is thematically or know. plot-wise. Like, it doesn't seem to accomplish anything. No, it, it's just like a bad song <laughs> yeah, that exists. It's like, so it, weird. It's, it, it's separate from everything. Yeah, and I don't know why they added it. Like, it feels like they're doing that Oscars thing of like, oh, you have to have a new song to get nominated for best original song that's, but i don't think there's a tony's equivalent of, do you think there's a tony's equivalent of that there could be i don't know because i mean i guess it would also depend Maybe. on like i know musicals get like brought back from the dead all the time mm. and don't they usually like add a new song or something oh yeah i guess some sometimes they do yeah i don't know maybe they just thought they needed a single yeah maybe maybe uh who's to say well that's it that's the that's the show uh, Steve, uh, yes. would you like to share your final thoughts and then uh, we rate this on a scale of one to five and I always like to rate it on a scale of five things pulled from the content, so not stars, five whatevers. Um, your thoughts, your thoughts and your rating. Okay, so again, I was a complete Brady Stanellis newbie and I was very surprised to... At, how much I ended up enjoying watching American Psycho and that kind of made me like a little excited to try this, but also a little kind of reticent because I knew it was like, there's no way this is going to be a good version of this. 
and I was right, but there were so many reasons I didn't anticipate being why is just so dreary and unpleasant to listen to. It never seems to know what it wants to be. And it's, I don't know. I just really like there was only, there wasn't even that much enjoyment of like, cause like I'm, I'm one of those guys who can enjoy like, like shitting on something he's not liking, but this was just not fun to listen to. And it, was not a good adaptation of of a pretty, of what seems to be a pretty good work. Um, the the singing is stiff. The music is such weird background noise. Um, I did not enjoy it, save for the one little bit of Zydeco that they threw in there. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna rate this one and a half Amsterdams. <laughs> Amazing! Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I. I absolutely agree. Um, I feel like, you know, they could have they could have gone a couple ways with adapting American Psycho into musical. They could have gone like full on camp, like this is just a comedy version. Um, like I heard, I don't know if it ever came to fruition, but I heard some like demo tracks of a Silence of the Lambs musical like years ago, and it was just like a full on comedy. Um, and I didn't think it was great, but like conceptually, it was fine. Um, or they could have gone for like something that's more like more genuinely dark uh, and like genuinely engaging with the subject matter. Like one of my favorite musicals, which is also about a serial killer, Sweeney Todd. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sweeney Todd genuinely is dark and depressing, but it understands that it's a musical uh, and it understands that it's goofy by virtue of that. And it still has fun with it. And even when it is being dark and depressing, it is also still having fun at the same time. Uh, and this musical did not do that. It never had any fun. Um, I love musicals, even musicals that are bad. I usually will. Uh, I'll usually find at least a couple tracks that I'll go back and listen to a couple times for my own enjoyment. I saw Spider-Man turn off the dark on Broadway. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, but you know what? There are a couple tracks from that show that I still will go back and listen to. And I'll be like, "This, you know what? This is dumb, but it is real fun. A Freak Like Me Needs Company. It's stupid, but it is also a bump. Um, and this, this really, there's not a moment of enjoyment to be had. This like truly thoroughly fails in a way that I've, I don't think I've ever seen a musical fail in my life. So for for that reason, I'm gonna give it one uh, 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 one British man rapping in an American accent. Truly bad. That's that's a that's a bad amount of that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I guess there's no good amounts of that really. My point exactly. <laughs> uh, Steve. We did yes. it. We did it. We did it. We don't have to listen to the soundtrack ever again. We don't have to think about it anymore. Honest and true. <laughs> Honest and true. Um, and now to help everybody cleanse their palate, because they need it more than ever after this one, uh, I like to always recommend something that is not by Brad Easton Ellis. Um, I always recommend a book that is not by a white man my guest is welcome to recommend whatever media or indeed just life experience they would like to recommend i once had somebody recommend a soap um 
So, yeah. Uh, so, Steve, do you know what you'd like to recommend? Uh, yeah, I, I gave this some thought. You said I could do whatever I want, but I, I wanted to stay true to you, making sure it's not just something by a white male. So I'm not a book guy, so I went into my music and saw looked through what I've been listening to. Uh, and I will recommend an album from, I think, last month that I really enjoyed uh, by this uh, all-black emo band called Proper. Ooh. The album is called I Spent the Weekend Writing Songs About Getting Better. And it's just like a very fun, fun emo album about some, some interesting experiences you don't hear a lot from other bands that I still really love. But I thought, I think that I think it's it's a much-needed new sort of voice. And I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad they got a cool Pitchfork review. So yeah, that's that would be my recommendation. Nice. That sounds great. I'm definitely going to check that out. I love emo. Uh, my recommendation, I just finished reading this book, uh, is The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which won the Pulitzer a couple years ago, I think in 2016. I think the same, the very same year that this musical came out. How fitting. Uh, (laughs) um, And anybody who doesn't know what Underground Railroad is about, it's a historical fiction novel about a woman who is a slave in in, uh, Georgia uh, in the mid 1800s and she escapes via the underground railroad and it all seems like very historically accurate except that the underground railroad in this book is an actual railroad it's an actual train that's actually underground um and let me tell you something this was a great book it was very page turning it's it's got a great thing of feeling very smart and like deep but also being like very easy to read and very page turning which is a hard combo to strike. I will say I don't understand why they made the, why he made the choice to make the train, the Underground Railroad, just a train. It seems like it didn't add anything that the story wouldn't have had if it was just the normal Underground Railroad. And if anybody has... Public transit needs all the support it can get. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. <laughs> um, if anybody has read this book and would like to talk to me and explain to me why... Like, like, I feel confident that I'm in the wrong. That, like, he made a smart choice and that I'm too dumb to get it. And I want somebody to find me and tell me why. <laughs> why I'm too dumb. But well, that doesn't detract from my enjoyment. It's just kind of like a, a baffling side question. <laughs> but it's very good. It sounds like an interesting book. I might have to, you know, abandon my never ever wanting to read anything, Ooh. give it a shot and see if I like the train. Yeah. I love it. Let come back on the show and let us know if you like the train. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Steve, what would you like to plug? Uh, my podcast in the mix available on on iTunes, on where podcast stuff is, uh, Twitter at In the Mix Pod, where uh, you know we don't update a ton when we're not releasing new episodes, but keep it posted there, and we will be updating soon. And I personally am on Twitter at Steve underscore Fiorello. Uh, check it out; I tweet once every like six days, and it's not great. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Katie L. Wright. You can follow the show at Brett Easton Pod. Uh, you can check out some of the other amazing shows here on the Major Casts Network, uh, and you can check out our uh, our little our little uh, our little. What's the website where you beg for money? Patreon. Patreon. You can check out our Patreon. Uh, just search for Major Casts on on Patreon and maybe give us a a hey penny. Thank you guys so much for listening. And Steve, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs>